Welcome back. This is Jim Cimbala, Senior Pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. We are going to continue my new series, The Calling, a podcast for Christian leaders. Let's start a prayer meeting. How about it? Let's see in our churches a new strong element of corporate prayer. We've talked about how we as leaders have to give ourselves, as the apostles did, to prayer and the word. But now let's go further. Let's see our churches become houses of prayer, centers of miraculous answers to the prayers of God's people. Do you think I have any Bible background for that? Is there any any promises about that in the scriptures? Yeah. So how can we escape responsibility, my friends, if we don't try our best under God to birth this element in our churches? How long can we go with just doing church? with no juice, no heart to it, no cutting edge to it, just a happening. The people gather, how they live, they're not even members, they won't come to a permitting. How long are we going to put up with that? It can be different. God will help us. He tells us he will. So we want to birth a prayer meeting. I'll tell you about my own experience and my mistakes and what I've learned in just a moment. But I want to remind you that Paul not only gave himself to prayer for himself, he says things like this, Romans 1 verse 9, God whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness, how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times, and I pray that now at last by God's will the way may be open for me to come to you. Unceasingly I pray for you. He writes to the church in Colossae. He had never even been there. I always remember you in my prayers. He obviously knew there's power in bringing to God in simple childlike faith our requests. Now, the battle is, do we believe that? Because you can pound the Bible and God answers prayer, but when push comes to shove, do we believe this enough to attempt it, to practice it, and to lead our people into being a church filled with prayer, a house of prayer? I once got an email from someone 45, 47 years old from the state of Texas, if I remember, said, I read your book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, and I just want to say, I agree with you. I was convicted as you wrote about your story, but I've never been in a prayer meeting. I've never been in a prayer meeting. I've been a seminary. I know the Greek. I can get three points and a conclusion in rapid order, but I mean, what is that? And yet the church was born in a prayer meeting. Am I correct or not? In Acts 2, was someone preaching? Were they uh, having a bake sale here with cookies? Or what were they doing? No, as they prayed and waited for the Lord, he came and the church was born. With no famous preacher or teacher or expository sermon, as they waited and prayed, boom, the Spirit came. And there's something to that that we have to now build upon. Here's the way it happened for me. I knew this was all true, and one time being trapped in Florida, oh, when I was just two years in the ministry or so, downtown Brooklyn, inherited a handful of people, so small group, depressing. I hadn't been trained. Sermons were terrible. No crack at that time, but lots of heroin, alcoholism, gangs. And here were my wife and I, and we started. And on a boat in Florida, I felt the Lord speak to me that if my wife and I would lead the people to pray, He would take care of all the sermons I needed, which I was very insecure about. Number two, 
He would supply all the money we would need, personally and for the church, and that was hard. We were working among poorer people. I made $3,800 the first year in the ministry, $5,500 the second year. How to get a second job, it is what it is. And thirdly, there'd never be a building large enough to contain all the people in one service that God would send in if we just led the people to pray. My wife's choir to pray, the congregation to pray, because miracles happen at the throne of grace. Mercy and grace are handed out, not in the sermon. Hebrews 4.16, therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that God might give us mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. The action is not in the sermon. All the sermon can be is an arrow. The teaching is an arrow. Get to God. Talk to God. Receive from God. We've made the sermon the end all, and it's not. God is the end all. That's why we have celebrity preachers. We need a celebrity Jesus more. What do you think? I started to emphasize the Tuesday night prayer meeting. I think for the first one that I emphasized this, when I got back from Florida, there were maybe 12 people. Years later, as it began to grow and has grown by the grace of God ever since then, an associate pastor of mine at the time, a godly man named Kenneth Ware, he came to me and he said, you know, I see yourself killing yourself preaching and pouring out on Sundays and then financial needs the church has. Do you mind if I gather some people who will pray during the services? They'll sit in another one, but they'll pray in the services that you're preaching at for God to anoint the choir and bless the meeting. I went, yeah. He said also, the same group, they'd like to stay overnight on Friday from starting at 9 till 5, 6 in the morning. They just want to pray. What was I going to say? Oh, no, don't pray. Well, of course. So it began. And now we have a prayer band of four to 500 people who are praying in the church on a rotational basis from the early in the morning till night. They pray for needs that come in, requests from around the world, and my request, they know where I am, what I'm doing, and they're praying. What a blessing. So the first Sunday that they got to be praying like during the service, they started with the overnight Friday night, I had the sequence wrong, and now they're going to pray on Sunday. So they're going to pray on Sunday. They come in my office, and then they go upstairs because I go out and the meeting is going on. So I'm sitting there. I'm tired already, and it's like we're having three services on those Sundays. And I'm ready to go out, and I hear above me, they were praying. We were in a different facility, and I could hear through the air ducts someone praying out loud and seemed like they were hitting the chair or something. What in the world? And they were praying, Lord, protect them. Lord, protect Pastor Simba. God, protect him today. Keep him from harm. And I remember, as God is my witness, I remember thinking, what in the world? I'm not going into a street fight. I'm going out to, for another meeting. I go out to the service. Time comes, I'm preaching. I'm preaching about the love of God. I get to the point where, you know, the ultimate sin is not the sins we commit, because God has made provision that we can be forgiven for those sins. The ultimate sin is to reject God's love. So I get carried away, hopefully by the Spirit. And I kind of close my eyes. I'm standing on the side of the pulpit, and I'm calling people, don't reject. Receive God's love. Receive God's love. Come on. Would you just receive God's love? They weren't sure. Was I talking? Was I was praying? What was going on? Suddenly, a guy in the back stands up, comes down the aisle. Security misses him. Has a 45 in his hand drawn on me. i am got my eyes closed. I don't see him. My wife behind me is playing a keyboard. She sees him. She yells my name twice. I don't hear it. You know, I'm telling people, come to Jesus. Meanwhile, I'm on my way to Jesus. 
it seemed like. He walks right up, comes on the platform. Now it's too late. Nobody can grab him. He's got the gun drawn on me. He walks over and he throws it down on the pulpit. I hear the noise. I open my eyes like I never went to seminary, but even in seminary, they don't tell you what to do when there's a gun on your pulpit. He kind of like is trudging off the platform and sobbing. And he had planned to hurt someone who had messed with his woman. And he got a gun and somehow providentially God brought him into the auditorium. He got so convicted that in his twisted, troubled mind, he said, I got to get rid of this gun. I'll give it to the preacher. It seemed worse than it really was. Threw the gun down, trudging off. I kind of trot after him. I mean, imagine first-time visitors in that service. Like, oh, what a great meeting. Yeah, a guy pulled a gun, then the pastor went after him. You know, just another day at Brooklyn Tabernacle. He goes off the platform and cries out. I can still hear him. Oh, Jesus, help me. Falls in the aisle. Security, now they got there. And I said to him, don't, don't, leave him be, leave him be. And I went back to the platform, as God is my witness, went to the pulpit, held up the gun. It was loaded, I later learned. Held it up, and I said, look at what God can make you give up. That's all I said. I didn't know what to say. That's what came to me. Suddenly, whoosh, 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 from the balcony, from downstairs, people are running to the altar, receiving God's love. Amazing meeting. I don't know how many we baptized just from that service. It was real. It was God. What Satan meant for evil, mm, God can work for good. As the meeting ended, I was walking out. I thought to myself, who was that praying? God protect him. God cover him. God watch out for him. Keep him safe. The guy could have panicked. Someone could have made a false move. He could have blown me to smithereen. Listen. When your church begins to pray, when my church begins to pray, we have not even seen what God can do when God's people pray. 